1: What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Trade deadline is gone. Uh, the Wolves have, have lost two in a row. Things are a little bit weird at the moment in the in the fan base with the organization. We are going to discuss all of that and and whatever else comes to our mind. That is me and Jack Borman, Cana Super's contributor. Jack, panic button or no panic button?
0: No panic button, man. This team has way too much talent for me, and and they're way they're way too healthy relatively, and they have way too much talent. Uh, for for me or anyone else to really be pressing the panic button, but. Um, I, I, definitely think there's a, a palpable frustration, um, among the fan base right now. And that's definitely something that, that I share, uh, as we'll get into, but, um, yeah, I, I think it'd be foolish to, to press the panic button right now, given where the team is at relative to, to the expectations
1: Right, and I think the the overall kind of undercurrents of a little bit of not panic, but yeah, pa- that palpable kind of tension and the the feeling that this could is kind of I guess balancing on a knife's edge could go either way. I think stems from the quiet trade deadline, um, and then the the subsequent loss to obviously first to Sacramento before the trade deadline, and then secondly to to Chicago last night, um. How do you feel about the deadline? What was your when when that you know hour ticked over? What was your first feeling that kind of overwhelmed you t- in terms of you know them not doing anything at all?
0: Before I touch that, if I had ten dollars for every time that somebody's been in my DMs in the last uh, let's call it thirty two hours, uh, using the term "good vibes" in a sarcastic tone, <laughs> I I think I'd be able to pay for a vacation that I could go on for the rest of the wolf season. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was, I was doing all this live analysis stuff on, on Canisupus, um, uh, kind of tag teaming that with Kyle. And so I, I didn't, I, what, I really wasn't thinking about the wolves to be quite honest with you. Like there were all these deals that were flying in left and right. I was just kind of giving my, kind of ser-
1: waiting, waiting for the wolves to do something. Then you'll think about it.
0: Yeah. Like I, I, I wasn't really stressed about it. Um, Because I I think last year, too, we had this feeling where it was like, you know, guys like Doogie, uh, you know, not not shade to him like at all. But I remember last season, too, if I remember correctly, he was saying that there was like a really, really strong chance that he felt the Wolves were going to do something. And I think this year he said it at like 85 or 90 percent that they do do something. And I just didn't really I, I didn't have high expectations for the deadline. Um, just because I, you know, they have three, three second round picks, this upcoming draft, um, in addition to holding their own first, uh, which they can trade, um, and they own all of their picks going forward. Uh, so, and they have more second round picks, uh, like they have a surplus of second round picks that they'll be able to move, not just this year, but in, in upcoming years as well. And, uh, I thought that they would do something, you know, trading Layman and Akogi for, uh, maybe with a couple seconds to try and get a big guy in that seven to, you know, nine or six to $9 million a year range. Um, You know, just because I think the situation with Nas at backup center uh, on certain nights is so untenable that it can lose them a game. And it's happened multiple times this year. Um, Yeah. I mean, as that hour was ticking by, uh, you know, I I was just kind of waiting for, for a wolves deal to come. I figured that, you know, a lot of these guys the Wolves are reportedly interested in, you know, could have been a situation where, you know, a lot of times with guys that are like fringe, first give up a first round pick or give up two seconds or one second or whatever it is, like, you know, some of those teams might wait as long as they can to kind of drum up a market in that last hour before the, you know, the clock strikes three o'clock Eastern time. And, um, so I figured if the wolves were going to do something, it was probably going to come right down to the end. So again, wasn't really stressed out about it. Um, figured they'd, they'd try and do something, wait for a price to come down on a guy, but you know, that just didn't happen. And, um, and you know, here we are. And I think it was unfortunate that in those, uh, kind of, well, No, it was just the Chicago
1: game was after the deadline. Yeah, yeah. It was a 72-hour period where you had the Kings game, the deadline, and and then the Chicago game. And
0: so I think it was a little unfortunate, and I think the way that they performed last night against Chicago kind of exacerbated some of those, you know, frustrations that people were having. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it's important that people try and keep a perspective with all of this. Like, uh, Sachin Gupta... Said uh, during his media availability yesterday morning that you know he's not going to make long-term decisions based on short-term results, Um, and I think that that had to do a lot with Torian Prince and Jordan McLaughlin and, and Malik Beasley really playing well this last month, and I just don't think he felt comfortable moving those guys, you know, based on their value potentially being a little bit higher. Um, now than it was a month ago, and he talked a lot about how um, he just really didn't want to break up the chemistry that this team has. And I think that you no know, chemistry is really important. Um, you know when you face adversity, I think we've seen in a couple of games against Portland this year, especially um, you know that Wolves team last year of two three years ago, they would they would just have no shot of winning that game. They'd, they'd wilt, they'd get punched in the mouth, uh, and then you know, just kind of turtle and they haven't done that this year. And I think chemistry is a big reason why. And I think, you know, we can sit here and make fun of, you know, the good vibes and whatever that they didn't want to disrupt. But like Sachin Gupta is a really smart dude and I trust that if he didn't feel there was a deal out there that made sense given the opportunity cost of it, um, you know, I'm going to trust that that was what the best decision for the Wolves are because, or or was because we don't know what deals were out there and you know he did say that they're going to active be active in the buyout market and that we'll see uh, the team probably try and sign someone uh you know the first week of march is when that um you know the prorated minimum uh gets to a point where they could sign a guy for the rest of the season and not be under the luxury tax so um you know i think i think we'll have a better idea of what's going on there but uh, my best educated guess is that the Wolves didn't do something at the deadline because they know that they'll be able to get a particular buyout player uh, when that time rolls around in in a few weeks here.
1: I think that yeah there's just there's so much to unpack from from the situation I think that first of all I don't think they have like not really not from what you were saying but I think from what a lot of the feeling around the fan base is like they don't have many assets man like aside from those second round pits which I agree I think that you could have probably packaged you know those and got yourself a replacement level big with with maybe a Cody or layman's contract even then there wasn't a lot of those guys that ended up getting moved um Jalen Smith is probably one that stands out Montrez Harrell would be an absolutely disastrous fit on this roster. Like I uh, you, know, you know, there's we've got to the point where desperation, I think, is outweighing like logic when it comes to getting these guys. Moses Brown's a terrible basketball player.
0: And and I think and, Gupta felt the same way. Like he wasn't gonna let desperation force his hand.
1: Yeah, like I I get that sometimes, you know, with with a guy like Nas Reed, the the old thing that you've already experienced can really start to feel a bit Withered and 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 you know you get a bit fatigued of, of watching those guys. But you we would all get fatigued of watching Moses Brown or Ennis Freedom very quickly as well because they're worse than Nas Reed. Like that's just. I'd a be fact. fatigued and, of
0: Ennis Cantor Freedom whatever the hell he wants to call himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, before he like, even steps foot As a, as a person,
1: yeah. Like if you want it, if you're talking about you know good vibes and chemistry, which I think we both think is important, but also a little bit of spin from the front from the front office. Um, but if you're talking about ruining that, there's no quicker way to just fucking demolish it than bringing in Anas of freedom. Like, but I just think they didn't have enough assets to to move for an actual, you know, real life impact player that's not a ten minute off the nighter of bench guy. Like, I, I don't think Willie Beasley. Is getting them that guy, and I don't know who that guy is who got moved. Like that, Harold's the only one who would kind of fit into that bracket, and he doesn't fit. You can't play Vando, Cat, and and Harold as your three-man big rotation. Um, so I just think I think as much as chemistry and good vibes is a thing and is definitely a a factor that they took into equation. I also think that it's a little bit of management speak for like we just didn't have the assets to get a good deal done and you know, we're not going to say that out loud because that isn't good management. Uh, And we're not moving Jade McDaniels. We're not moving any of the starting five. We're not moving Pat Bev. Like, the only guy they had is pretty much Malik Beasley or, you know, Lehman or Cody. They probably wouldn't even move Nas because, you know, they still want him as a third big. Um, So I, I think while the good vibes is important, I also think that they just didn't have enough to get a guy who would really impact the team on a positive level. And, you know, sometimes letting, letting Jake Layman's contract expire or, you know, like rolling with Nas for half a season and then you could package those seconds for a first at, at draft time. You could package your seconds and a first to move up in the draft even further. Like there's still plenty of options for those assets that they do have in the future, but they, they do have to have the opportunity cost of, I guess rolling with Nas for this season and and hoping that it works. And as we saw, especially, I think, in the last two games, sometimes that just really doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I'm going to push back quite a bit, honestly. Um, You know, I I think they absolutely have the assets to go out and get something done. Um, You have have all your first-round picks. You have three second-round picks uh, in this upcoming draft. And you have a $13 million expiring contract in Torian Prince. You have an actually impactful player if deployed in the right context in Josh Kogie on an expiring contract. And you have Jake Lehman on an expiring contract. Like you can't tell me that the Wolves don't have the assets when you look at uh when you look at the Clippers giving up Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, a second round pick and Keon Johnson for Robert Covington and Norman Powell. Like, I I just – I think that the Wolves had the assets to do something. I just thought that they felt that in order to, you know, make a trade that made sense for them within the context of what their team needs were, they would have had to move a guy like Prince or Beasley and, you know, maybe they value those guys more than they should.
1: Uh, I think they value the first-round pick more than they should. I I think this upcoming draft is terrible.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be a terrible draft, um, especially based on where the Wolves pick is going to be. Um, and, and to be quite honest with you, yeah, like, but that
1: first round pick gets more valuable still at draft time. Like on draft night, you get more for the pick because everyone's desperate to do the thing on draft night where they want to get up in the draft. They I want think to get that's an extra a pick. Point.
0: That's definitely a fair point. I guess for like, me, you we're You get on more that,
1: for Malik Beasley and the first on draft night than you do three weeks ago I, I or don't, two weeks I ago. I don't
0: disagree with that whatsoever. Um, the only thing I will say, though, is like, I think having an on-ramp with a player is pretty huge. Like, look at Chris Uh Finch last year. Like, you had a half of a season on-ramp. Like, the Timberwolves are not sitting here at, you know, 29 and 27 or whatever they are um, if Chris Finch was hired in, you know, May as opposed to last February. Like, that's the only thing that I'd have is that, like, yeah, you worry about chemistry a little bit, but, like, would, would have trading Malik Beasley really killed your team chemistry I, I no, don't I don't no. think so at all uh I think trading Tory prince honestly would have been worse for team chemistry than trading Malik beasley but at the same time like you know guys are gonna get over that like yeah. I, I and I'm not sitting here advocating saying like they should have done something I don't want that to get misconstrued. That I don't like I, those and guys. And I'm not or, the
1: opposite. I think that I think that they probably should have done something. But I think I'm just playing like devil's advocate, oh, or maybe sure. just try and get sure. into the mind of Gupta on why they didn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, in and, and with the way that, and so I was sitting on that Zoom uh, for Gupta, and my, my impression, my takeaway from it was that he felt that the only moves that they were realistically pursuing pursuing moves on the margins and that he didn't feel that any marginal upgrade with a rotational player was worth the risk of shaking up um a bench unit that has started to come together uh in terms of its cohesiveness on the floor as well as one of the league's best starting fives um which has fallen off a cliff of late but um yeah, I, I think that that's the way to look at it. And, and I'd be really interested to see what they're going to do this summer um, because they, they have a lot of assets and Malik Beasley becomes an expiring contract, I believe um, because that, that third year is a team option. Um, so, you know, depending on how he finishes out this season, it would not surprise me at all. Like you were saying, if we saw Malik Beasley in a first round pick trade, uh, at some point, some point over the summer, but but they'll do something for sure leading up to the draft because they're not going to make three second round. Um, yeah, yeah, three second round selections. I mean, I think you could see something similar to like what the Knicks did um, this past year, where you know they they did a great job of packaging those picks um, to to move up. Uh, they moved back with a first round pick and then were able to move back up in the draft Mm -hmm. and I I could see that being something that the Wolves do Um, you know if there's one or two players they're really interested in um, and you know want to be able to recoup assets um, while also getting those players if you know they they have a guy like 30th on their board and and they don't think will go until 30 um, but they have like the 21st pick or something like that like it makes sense to try and move back you know like uh-huh. I, I think we'll see something like that. Um but yeah, I mean I, I don't think we can totally judge the trade deadline in my opinion until uh until one, we see if the Wolves get a buyout guy and if so who that buyout guy is. And then two, to see, you know, where are the Clippers and where are the Nuggets. Uh and where are the Mavericks too. Like Gupta thought that he didn't think that any of the moves that the teams around them in the standings made created a situation where the Wolves can't catch up to them.
1: Um, I it, think he's probably right. The Clippers probably in that little pack probably came out of it the best.
0: Yeah, but I think that I guess what he didn't know was that during the during his media availability was when uh, was when Tim Connolly of the of the Nuggets said that. You know, he expects that both Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray will be medically cleared to be able to play before the end of the regular season. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they get those two guys back and the Wolves aren't, don't have like a two, two and a half, three game lead on the Nuggets, um, before like the last two weeks of the season, like the Wolves just won't catch those guys. Um. I just don't think that those guys are going to come back until they're 100% ready to play um, and, like, have had a, a bunch of practice time. And and so I think that comment uh, will be an interesting one to follow. But, again, I don't think you can fully judge the, uh, judge the deadline until all the, the context of those factors uh, becomes clear.
1: I've got two questions for you before we move away from the trade deadline. Um, one... Does not doing anything hurt Sachin Gupta's chance to get a job? Another job, of, you know, to, to stay with the team. And are the Wolves even able to pry a buyout guy away from the bigger names? Because I don't remember a time in my entire life that the Timberwolves have signed a buyout guy. Like, I know they're better than they have been for most of my entire life. But, like, will a buyout guy go to the seventh seed and instead of, you know, one of the top teams who... The, the top teams just add talent, even if it's fringe talent, all the time. Every every buyout trade season market, you know, like... Do you think the Wolves will e- even be able to get one of those top guys that they have on their list? And do you think that not doing anything is going to be the reason why Mark Mark Laurie and, and Alex Rodriguez move moving in a dis- different direction in the summer?
0: Yeah, I mean... um I think the decision will be more Sachin Gupta's than anyone else's, uh, if I'm being honest with you. like I wrote what I thought was a pretty well-done piece a few weeks ago about how the Wolves were entering these you know, pretty choppy, uncharted waters and that there's a lot of organizational factors that play into the trade deadline. Um, but it also applies to this upcoming summer. Like I don't think that you can look at the introduction of someone like marquise watts as just like a throwaway Mm -hmm. like the athletic does not pick up that story if that's not a significant uh move and uh it was reported in that story that um you know watts has earned the ear of of laurie and laurie hired him laurie did not hire gupta um and i would not be surprised at all if uh you know, if, if Marquise Watts eventually becomes a a basketball decision maker, um, and given that I I don't know if Gupta was consulted at all, um, in that hiring or how well he works with him or, you know, what the relationship is there, because if, if there isn't a relationship or Gupta wasn't consulted, like if I were in Gupta's shoes, like I would see that as a as like a threat to my job security and that like, yeah. they obviously don't trust me. Um, and so I don't necessarily think that it affects Gupta's job necessarily. Like I would imagine that some, uh, a pairing like Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie really want to make a splash uh, that they really want another star player. Um, and I think, with Watts ties, I think you can go down the list of clutch clients. Um, you know, they were in on the Ben Simmons uh, space race there um, and, and reportedly uh, had the same offer on the table for months um, that didn't come together. Um, and, and you can go down the line at looking at clutch clients, because I imagine that's who the wolves might go after in the future. Um, but so to answer your question about, about Gupta, like I, I don't necessarily think it impacts his job, you know, that much. Like, Gupta is a guy who very very clearly has his principles, and he's not going to compromise those principles no matter what. Uh, and I really respect that about him. Um, you know, he, he, he's he been around a lot of really fantastic basketball minds in this league between his stops in Houston and Philadelphia and Detroit. Um, and honestly, I I trust his judgment on that. And whether or not Mark Lori and Alex Rodriguez also want to trust that, um, you know that that's that's a different can of worms. And and frankly, I'm I'm not that uh, inspired uh, by by what they're going to do. If I'm if I'm being quite honest with you, um, like Gupta Gupta would get, I think Gupta if he chooses to leave Minnesota, which I think the chances of that are pretty good based on what I just laid out. Um, you know, unless the wolves really, you know, are able to get a buyout guy and do really well, like I would not surprise me right at all. If he got a head, head guy job, like he, he backed away from the King's job because of ownership concerns and it would not surprise me if he did the same thing here. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and then what was, what was your
1: second question? I'm sorry. Can the Wolves even get a buyout guy? Like, I don't remember them yeah, getting a buyout so, guy. I that, that worries me because it's like if they're putting all these eggs into the buyout basket, like, I don't think that there's enough eggs, you know, there to, to crack. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I think you got to look at what teams have roster spots and what teams don't. Um, so, I mean, the Bucks have roster spots. The Celtics do, the Heat do, the Sixers do, um, the Raptors do. Jazz, Nuggets, uh, Warriors, uh, Lakers, like all of those teams have roster spots or can waive a a contract and still sign a buyout guy. Um, So they're going to be competing with all those teams, but it's like, why would you want to go play with the Lakers if you were a buyout guy and you're not like a, a legit guy that can take them over the top? Like, I mean... I guess it all depends. Like if it's a buyout guy who pretty clearly knows that he's going to get another contract this summer at a sizable piece, like Goran Drogic, yeah. like I, I think then you can go, you know, to, to a team where you're really going to tr- try and win the championship. But if you're a buyout guy where, you know, like you're still kind of fighting to find your way in the league or, you know, you really need to be in a good position. Um, if you want to make money on your next contract this summer, like it wouldn't surprise me if there's someone out there that sees, you know, okay, I'm going to have a ton of opportunity. uh, I'm going to have a ton of opportunity in Minnesota to, to make an impact on this team. Like Greg Monroe as as a guy that I think could very well end up here. Like I think he fits really well in that, you know, he's a big guy that can pass. He's comfortable at the elbows. You can still run a lot of the same actions that you do. Uh, with Cat, just not obviously using him as a shooter. Um, So I think you could see, you could see something like that. Um, But I mean, a Robin Lopez, like, I I don't think a guy is, um, you know, as well-traveled and as, you know, well-respected as Robin Lopez is going to be here. But, But yeah, I think, I think a guy like Greg Monroe definitely, you know, could be, could be an option and I think the Wolves have enough talent on this team where you can go to a guy and say, hey, we're going to be playing in the playoffs. Whether it's play in or playoffs, like, I, I mean, the Wolves are going to be hosting a playoff or play in game this year. I, I feel damn confident saying that. And I mean, you can sell that to a guy who also needs a good opportunity for a legitimate role as opposed to like, you know, a guy that might get used for like five minutes here and there every other game or whatever it is.
1: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
0: It's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if they have the cachet to bring people in, um... But I think it's a good point that you make there that, that I've kind of been on the fence a little bit about. The, the problem with that is that even if they are waiting to the early March kind of period of the season, that means they have to deal with Nas Reid for now, or they have to find another way to, to spin this, this center situation. And for me, I'm kind of at the point where I just am ready to shut down the Nas experiment. Like, He's getting killed against real bigs defensively. Teams are really starting to jerry on that that's what they need to do to just like hammer the wolves in those in those, you know, six, seven minute stretches is to to play you know, they can get if they can find a way to play their starting center against Reid, you can almost tear a game away from the Wolves in that period. Um I also think that he's a pretty major issue offensively as well. I think that the the tunnel vision that he gets I mean that game Chicago last night. He missed so many passing reads when he had the ball, and like, there's at least three backdoor cuts that Chat would make every time, and not. And I don't expect him to be Anthony Towns, but like, they're basic reads that bigs, all bids should be able to make if you're at the elbow. Is to hit. An, and Greg Monroe did a great job, right, at right, and when he was here. Jordan McLaughlin missed two of them that he should have got last night. That were like really like they they tried to top block him as he came you know came to get a hand off and he cut back door brilliantly and naz looked him off and then went into a post move and missed the shot like that yeah he had
0: that one really nice ucla cut that d hit him with yeah for a layup that was nice um that and he, and he's
1: underrated as a cut really good like yeah a
0: guy that can catch the ball yeah in the paint and lay it in those
1: little ucla cut plays that they run with him and d are so nice as d like hits those passes perfectly um yeah but but back to nas I, I i just think that like we've seen it we've seen that he can play well but even when he's playing well the things that he does well kind of aren't what the team needs like they need a guy who can play up at the level defensively they need a guy who can try and up their their rebounding rate like you know the, the team's 8.1 points per 100 possessions worse on offense when he's on the court so it's not like you know, you, you find, obviously that has to do with playing behind Carl Anthony Towns, but it's not like you're getting this huge offensive boon from Nas Reed. Like I just don't at this point, I don't know what you're losing by going with Nate Knight, who I don't think is a very good pl- basketball player, but I think he rebounds the ball better. I think he can play as a pick and roll player with D'Lo and and J Mac, and I think that he can you know at least be a bigger body in there. Or you go with Vando at the five when he's healthier and just let him you know fuck shit up or you know you go with I think you suggested yesterday like just run it small with like like McDaniels at the five and just try and blast teams off the court like try and find an identity in that bench unit rather than just having Nas out there who's really just like piling on to your to your current flaws and right now I think I'm just kind of done with the experiment
0: yeah. Um, so last night, like you alluded to, I proposed that the Wolves run with a five of Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel, Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, and Torian Prince. That's
1: chaos. I love um, it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's five guys that are really unselfish, move the ball really well. Um, all five can shoot. I know that McLaughlin is only shooting twenty seven percent on one three attempted per game. You know, since New Year's, um, but. All of those other guys are shooting at least 35% from three on, you know, about three attempts per game or more, Um, you know, and those are all guys that are capable of attacking closeouts and, uh, and have shots that you have to honor. Like if J-Mac, you know, has a defender where that's not honoring his shot, like he's more than capable of putting it on the deck and getting past a guy or. You know, finding an open teammate or or, set, or initiating some type of offense where you put a guard in a ball screen action or, you know whatever it is to, you know to offset that. Like if your guard that is really quick and can get to the rim whenever is the one guy that can't really shoot. Like I don't think that's the end of the world necessarily. Yeah, because you your, your big guy is still going to be guarding Jaden or Torian, and those guys are going to have to step out onto the perimeter. And guard. and that whole and lineup
1: would get tied together by J Mac, even though he can't shoot. Because him playing with pace and playing with a lineup that can just thrive in in you know fast pace action is exactly kind of you know what what makes him tick.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think too that like one thing that I I, th- I personally think that people are overlooking. Uh, with Nas is like Nas is not a good rebounder at all. He's
1: one of the worst big, re- like like center rebounders in the league. Yeah,
0: it's pretty bad. He has a uh, lot of games
1: where he plays like 15 minutes and gets one or two boards.
0: Yeah, like I think that there would legitimately be uh, opportunities for Torian Prince to do better on the glass than Nas. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and uh, Torian is a really good, like, low man. How, like, he's really good positionally and rotation-wise defensively. He, he does have, you know, he's he's slower than you'd probably like from a wing-type dude. But, like, if you play him as a big, like, I would be pretty comfortable if you had, like, you know, Jay mac and Torian in pick-and-roll coverage trying to, trying to trap and hedge out there, and then you've got, like, you know... Jaden McDaniel's coming from from the low man. Malik Beasley's, you know, hit and miss as a low man. But, like, there's a and, lot of athleticism and, there to, to fly around. And you can switch, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. which they've been which doing is, a
0: lot. And the fact that they – I mean, that lineup still has a decent amount of length, too. Like, I think you could switch and switch a switch, too. Like, I, I think J-Mac is so fast that if you switch to pick and roll, like, he'd be able to fly out and communicate with somebody and get out to a guy on the perimeter if you wanted to get, like, I don't know, you know, J-Mac or uh, – or excuse me, McDaniels or Beasley onto a guy for, you know, part of a possession and then just trust that your length is going gonna, is gonna to come back. Like, do I think that there's situations where, you know, you kind of have to try and play Nas for a couple minutes just to see if he can hang with a really big or physical interior – backup center sure uh,
1: but, but even those I situations that... i just think i know nate knight fouls a shitload but like i just feel like if it's like sabonis and he's he's game plan against the backup big is literally put him under the basket yeah like just yeah. just back him down for 12 seconds because he cannot handle you like i feel like at least nate knight has a bit more like like growl to him, you know, a bit more stand your yeah, ground. Yeah,
0: No, I, I know what you mean, and I think that that makes sense too. I mean, or, or I guess but in in, you in know, those because I love like your you need, you need a guy, you need a you need a guy with a lot of meat on the bones. Mm-hmm. If you know the the team you're playing has a backup five that like posts up a decent amount or catches the ball and attacks a decent amount, like sure, then you then you can you know have a quick hook ready if Prince or McDaniel's is kind of getting beat up. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think it's worth trying it just considering, you know, the Timberwolves have, I want to say the third most uh, assisted th- assists on threes since the start of the new year, which is like a 22 game sample. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the bench unit because they're driving and kicking really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, and they're making extra passes nicely. And guys are just making shots. And I think you lean into the fact that guys are making shots. And and honestly, like, if if you're not going to be able to stop anybody with with Nas on the floor on defense, anyways, you might as well lean further into the offense and go with somebody like a Jalen Noel, who has been really really consistent offensively this year.
1: Um, Such a I, weird I, year for Jalen, man. Such a weird season.
0: Like, I just don't think that you can keep switching off, rewarding J-Mac and Jalen, mm-hmm. and not. You know, punish Nas. I, I don't want to say punish, yeah, but, but make the, him understand that there are consequences yeah. for not playing. The defense. opposite like, of I, being rewarded. I, don't, I think that he's kind of been entitled to all these minutes that I don't necessarily think he's earning right now. Yeah, and I think, I think Finch has very much been a guy that's like, if you go out and you do this one thing, you'll get another minute in the next mm-hmm. game, and then that extra minute turns into two more, or four more, or six more if you keep kind of. Doing that one extra thing that he's asking of you, and Jalen kept doing all of those things, and you know, the I, I like that Finch rode Jay, uh McLaughlin because he was the hot hand and was playing really, really well. I like. I don't think it was the wrong decision to put J in, but you know, I think you, you gotta you gotta take Nas out at this point, like. Um, and that obviously all comes, especially back. if Cat's healthy yeah. too. Like yeah. you, you just.
1: And that comes back to know. that roster construction because I'm sure if, like, reading the tea leaves, I don't think that Chris Finch trusts Nathan Knight in the slightest to, to be a rotation player. So I think yeah. if you had a guy there, a third big, a Greg, Greg Munro, you know, call it a facsimile of him, then I think you would have seen that same situation that's happened with J-Mac and, and Noel happening with Nas and and said third big uh but I think right now he just doesn't feel like he has the options, and obviously for whatever reason he's—I'm sure they've thought about the small ball, ball option as well. Um, I'd love to see Vando at the five, even you know if you can you know just for for three four minute periods if you get him out early with DLo maybe, and then bring back DLo and Vando and, and just because I trust Vando. When he's healthy, which we'll get to, but like I, I think Delo, I think a
0: a, th- a trio of Delo, McDaniel's, and Van- and Vanderbilt would work well. I think Delo's got a good chemistry with with
1: both. Yeah, of these guys. yeah, and they work really well offensively with Delo's passing as well, and and Delo, I think Vando is the guy that that um kind of ties Delo's quarterbacking on defense together, um him and Pat Bevs. So. Yeah, there's options there, but I'm just not sure that Finch trusts any of them except, you know, I think he just is is rolling with Nas more of a, you know, best of the bad bunch scenario, and and that's that's the issue with the trade deadline, you know, coming and going and not getting anything that that gives Finch more options, uh, maybe a less bad option.
0: Yeah, and I guess too, like obviously you want to look at, you know, you want to look at only this season, but. Uh, when you look at next season or the free agents this upcoming summer, I mean, just looking at guys who, uh, you know, who are free agents, like you have Serge Ibaka, Bamba, McGee, Thomas Bryant, um, Andre Drummond is a free agent, uh, Mitchell Robinson is an unrestricted free agent, um, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein, who's been really good for the Clippers as an unrestricted free agent, Dwayne Deadman, Like, all these guys are low-cost backup bigs that, you know, play for these really good teams for the most part that, you know, are on a team that kind of have salary crunches. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe, maybe you pay them close to the mid-level or you pay them, you know, you know, five, six million dollars, whatever it is, um, to come to, to take a risk and, and get them to come play. Like, um, it'll just be interesting to see how they how they approach that because they're going to have options uh, this summer, and I think that Minnesota will be able to pitch to a free agent like, hey, we got this stud and Anthony Edwards uh, guy who is probably going to sign a super max contract this offseason. Carl Anthony Towns, like it's a damn good core to play around. Yeah. Like I, I get that, that like Milwaukee, like until they like really, really started winning all these games and become a destination. But like, I, I think teams like guys will want to play with Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's crazy, especially if like, they're going to get an extra, you know, $2 million a year. um, No, then they would to, to play for a a, a perceived better winner or whatever.
1: Yeah, and and that is where the outwardness of good vibes and chemistry does come into your favor. Because if team, if guys are looking on from afar right now, thinking, "Where am I going to play next season? What what team needs a backup bid? You know, what team looks like a good place to go and play?" I don't think it's all about like where am I going to get the minutes or where am I going to you know win as many games. It might be like. Hey, Anthony Edwards looks funny as shit like they all seem to really enjoy playing with each other Chris Finch looks like a really good guy and a really good coach like maybe they should be on my short list and and I'm not sure that's the at the fore the forefront of of what Gupta's thinking about when they're not making trades but it is maybe just like a, a a trickling a trickle down effect of, of of keeping a team together and kind of building a a core and building a, a, a culture around the team because right now they haven't had a good culture for so long and that is one of the things that even if you know the sarcasm like you said earlier of, of the good vibes is is funny and it's sometimes it's a, it's a really it's a good excuse to you know to throw out when a team plays like shit but like building a culture is super important and Minnesota, Minnesota's culture has just been in the dumps for 15 years so it not to be Colin Cowherd but like It's
0: almost kind of like, you know, you're, you're dating, you're going on all these dates, like you're, you're just kind of like not really having a great time. And then you go on this date where like, there's one thing about the guy or girl that just like bothers you that like, you know, is an issue, but everything else is great. And you had way more fun on that date than you've had in like the last seven that you've been (laughs) on. So you just like want to go down that path, even though, you know, at some point, there's going to be a problem, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of almost feel like that's what the trade deadline was. It was like, oh, we have this culture, but like our big rotation is kind of like not tenable, and like this is going to flame out at some point. But like, let's ride the wave. Like she's really you know? hot, but she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, or he's just like a muscle guy, but like kind of an airhead on <laughs> yeah. some level. You know, yeah. like it's it's just like. I don't know. That's kind of where, like, I f- I feel like the team is at, and I don't know. My, my, I'll I'll be frustrated if this team doesn't make the actual play. Like, I'll be pissed if the team doesn't make the actual playoffs. But yeah, I think my realistic, like, expectation, adjusting for where the team is now and what we know about them, is like they should take a first round series six games. If they don't yeah. win, one. yeah, I, I, I... like I I don't see a reason why they couldn't take. Memphis or Utah, Memphis or Utah or Dallas I think they could take
1: any of those team six games. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that they just have too much
0: talent to to walk in and just play like ass in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I just Or losing the play in. Uh, the play in like the play in's good because we're Minnesota Timberwolves fans and getting the extra two spots is good but I think it's really watered down like people's perception of like how well this team like now it's like if you're in the play-in you're you know you're good enough but you're also a team that's like not a really like not it's not I don't know what I'm trying to say here but like if you started the season without the play-in tournament and the Wolves came seventh how much different would the perception be than right now when the Wolves are seventh and they still have to play this play-in tournament to get into the playoffs like Finishing in the playoffs two spots in, not even as an 8th seed, as a 7th seed, would have been a tremendous achievement if we didn't have to worry about this play-in tournament potentially taking that achievement away from you. Like,
0: yeah, the only thing that I do like about the play-in tournament that I almost think gives some sort of advantage to the teams that are playing in the play-in is I think the NBA took a little bit from March Madness. Like, I don't know if you, if you watch yeah, yeah, college yeah, think, basketball yeah. at all or, or watch the NCAA tournament, but like, Since they expanded the field from 64 to 68 and they have this first four, um, you're starting to see more of these first four. So how the first four works is I believe there are two games in which – or no. Yeah, so there's one game that's like the winner becomes the 16 seed, so they play the number one seed. Yeah. And there's another game where uh, the winner becomes the 11 seed and plays the 6 seed in one portion of the bracket. And the last few years, I think we've seen that 11 seed win the first win the play-in game, the first four game, and then win their first round game yeah. in an upset. Like I think that you can almost kind of create some momentum if you really just show out in that play-in game and just play really, really well. And to the players, that's a playoff
1: game, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: like it's in actuality, like to fans and in whatever, like you see all these, you know, former players come out and say like, this is not a playoff game. That is not the same as making the playoffs, but like to the players in that game, like that feels like the playoffs. It's win or go hard. Yeah. Like like if if you win that game, if you win that game, you're going to have more confidence going into whomever you play, especially if you're like, the seven seed going to play like a two-seeded Golden State who who knows what's going to happen with Draymond, oh. like you're going to have more confidence than say if you just walk in there without any experience of like super high leverage games Um and you have to play this dynasty team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And I think that it's just so important to try and get the six seed, not because you automatically make the playoffs, but because – there's such a huge drop off in my opinion between playing Golden State or Phoenix and then anyone else. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely. So,
0: and not to mention too that like if Kawhi comes back or Paul George comes back, like that's automatically the third best team. It maybe even the second best team in the West. Yeah. And they could be in the play-in game. And who knows? I mean, it's it just got reported a little more than an hour ago that Goran Dragic is going to get bought out by the Spurs here at some point and might go to the Lakers. So if that happens, I mean, that makes the Lakers a tougher out in a play in game. Um, obviously if Zion comes back and then you have CJ BI and Zion, like that could be really tough to handle in a, in a little two game mini series. Um, so I don't know. The wolves just have to have a sense of urgency. And so I don't really buy this whole retired bullshit. Like, <laughs> the Bulls the Bulls ha- are, are down four rotation guys and they essentially played a six-man rotation last night and those six guys have been playing significantly more minutes than the Wolves top crew has mm-hmm. because they've been down guys and the Wolves were fully healthy last night. Like, yes, I know that Vando is not 100%. Okay, that's one guy that is not like damn near fully healthy. And Zach Levine was hurt last night too. Zach Levine is not playing tonight. Because of a knee issue, like it, it and you get out hustled by them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and and people and like that was a bad loss. Yeah. Like you can't have performances like that if you want to be a six seed. Like if if the Wolves end up getting the seven seed and lose, you know, two play in games, and are done, I think you're gonna look back at nights like this or that Pelicans game or you know the, the Mavericks game without Luka and Chris Stapps.
1: The, Kings, the Kings like that. game, like, even like
0: you know, the, like like you can't just be like, ah, oh, well, these guys just want to get to the these guys just want to get to the All Star break. Like that's it's not an excuse. It's not. Yeah, they, they might need know? they might need Every the break, matters. but they don't.
1: They can't. They can't play like they are. You know, waiting for the break. Like everyone needs the break, and I think the Wolves need it. You know, as much as any team, because I do think that they have. A lot of guys who are who are feeling it in their legs, but I I think it's more the mentality. It felt like they had conceded that until they get this break, they just can't win a game like this. And that's like you're saying, like right. that's that's not going to win you any games if they go into in the that floor- that this Pacers game next with that mentality, they're going to get waxed. Well, and what
0: was the first thing we kind of said before we started? Like they're totally going to lose that pace. <laughs> Yeah, We both think like, they will. I'll, I'll be I will be betting on the Pacers. I just I just don't trust them playing
1: it uh
0: in, in the afternoon.
1: And I think Play we've it. seen it all season Especially where they do the have these lulls where you know, they let things get to them for three or four games. And and, yep. and that kind of Uh, really starts to underline their performance. You know the the tiredness, the defense. The the, during the start of the season, it was the half court offense, where it's like for three or four or five games, it just becomes so obvious and so untenable that it kind of throws everything for a loop, and then they kind of figure it out a little bit. But
0: and then well, and then guess who you play? Then after that, Charlotte isn't it? A home back to back. You have a home back to back against the Hornets. Uh, and. Right? mantra they got and they always beat the wolves they, shit ran. They, they got their shit ran against the hornets in charlotte yeah. uh or right around thanksgiving and then and then they play the raptors uh the raptors have been i think they've won eight games in a row um hottest team in the league they won eight uh, in a row have they a shitload of length just a hard team to play against and they're playing against toronto back into a back back-to-back and if the wolves want to keep complaining about how tired they are Uh, they're going to, they're going to lose all three of these games and they're going to be sitting at 29 and 30 going into the, going into the break. And, uh, if you lose, if you win five in a row and then lose five in a row going into the break, like. Yeah. You're entering the danger zone there cuz then you got to play Memphis, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Golden State. Those are your first 4 games yeah. out of the break. You can't wait for so those. You it can't out.
1: wait for these stretches where you've played OKC twice and Portland twice. Like you can't just limp along until you get these stretches where you can, you know, sleep teams aside for 4 games in a row. That's yeah. not how you, and, you can do and it.
0: good on the Wolves for for really winning a lot of these stretches against shitty teams. Like they've done really well in these stretches. But like you can't just mail in the other stretches. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. If they win tomorrow, if they win tomorrow, I think that'll be huge, because then you're above five hundred going into the break, no matter what. Um, but like Portland, or excuse me, like Denver. Denver is banged up right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and you know Dylan Brooks is still out from Memphis, and you know who knows what's going to happen with Dallas after this Porzingis trade, like everyone's got problems man everyone's got problems and some of them are worse than the wolves like almost every single team in the league has has it worse than the wolves i
1: think and i think this is (laughs) the last thing i want to get to and i know we haven't touched on the defense specifically much so like I'll, i'll i'll shift it to that but the reason why the break is important for the wolves because you're completely right is that um that team's have it worse than the Wolves in terms of actual long-term injuries not niggles and not guys who are playing through pain guys who are sitting on the sideline and but in terms of the defense and whether it's fixable or whether it was just a a, you know a pretty long illusion to start the season I, I think they need Vanderbilt back to 100% and like I said I'm not discounting that other teams have their issues too but like Vando is the main thing they have other issues that the defence is doing and and like, I don't think he him being healthy would you know have them as a top 5 defence or whatever in this last stretch of, of pretty poor play but like he's the stir that's that's he's the straw that stirs that drink like this defence can work without him but then you're asking Pat Bev to do way more as a 33 year old at the point of attack and you're asking guys like Ant and and Beasley and Delo to be ultra consistent as a low man like that just doesn't happen like uh, vanderbilt can play so many roles like right now you're getting a hobbled and like ultimately pretty ineffective vando because he's a step slow on everything he can't vacillate between point of attack low man post up uh and then shut that shit down wherever he is um and that that means everyone is a step slower because you know they don't have him there kind of plugging the holes for them. D'Lo can't quarterback as well the defense, which we've seen lately because Vando is the one who he's quarterbacking. He's the one who he points out and Vando gets there and everyone says, wow, look how good D'Lo did there. But like Vando is the one who's who's executing all of this. Like Anthony Edwards can miss a, lo- a low man rotation because Vando will come from the nail and stop a guy. Like, or he'll be at the point of attack, and the and the low man rotation will 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 be you know one second later than it is now because everything is worse without Vando at his best, and like he's laboring through twenty minutes max at the moment. The dude can't run up the court.
0: Well, he has a mid foot sprain. Yeah, they're like three like, to six week when, injuries. When I first saw that he had a mid foot sprain and that he was listed as questionable, like I thought that was ridiculous because, like, I mean, if you just Google it, it's like. It's saying mild midfoot sprains can heal in four to six weeks using conservative treatment methods. This dude hasn't taken one night Severe off. midfoot sprain may need at least three months to recover the stability and flexibility of the foot. So, like, who knows? Vando could be you know, battling through this for a while. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how severe it is, obviously, but, like, you know, the Wolves have to figure it out. Like, I think, you know, McDaniels has been so good to his credit and has really grown on offense a lot. And has stopped fouling for the most part mm-hmm. on defense, at least at the rate he did at the start of the season. But like, you know, the Wolves it just cannot be a team that become reliant on one player here and there. Yeah, you know, oh, the, no, great I, thing, I agree. the great, I agree. The great thing about this team is that that we haven't seen in years past is like you can point to all these different games and was like this was the Torian Prince game or the Jordan McLaughlin mm-hmm. game or like the one of the Anthony Edwards games. Like, that's great but that's not happening on defense. That's really only happening on offense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen. Like Dane said on his podcast last night that he asked, uh, Patrick Beverly, you know, what he was talking to his teammates about saying, like, we've been asking for this and this is what we're doing, alluding to like switching more on defense. And, you know, I think that that, is a good idea in a sense of like it. you're relying on Vanderbilt less or you're acknowledging that like you can't be relying on Vanderbilt right now, but also like it puts guys in different roles. Like D'Angelo Russell hasn't sat down and guarded the ball very much this year. No. Yeah. Like,
1: every team, everything, it, every bad game defensively that he's had is when a team either has enough weapons or, you know, works their, their scheme well enough to get D'Lo. At the point of attack, because he's so bad at the point of attack. Like I am more than willing to talk about how much he's improved defensively this season, but like that's because he's communicating and he he's good positionally. And he's really long. Yeah,
0: people forget that he's six his he's Feet seven are terrible, like, terrible,
1: terrible, terrible. Like yeah, that, like it's
0: it's just I think I think what it's going to come down to is. how afloat the Wolves can stay while switching, honestly. Yeah. Is what I think the whole defense is going to come down to. Like maybe they'll have more juice and they'll be able to run, you know, the more structured scheme that Papev talked about. Um, you know, if guys can get a little healthier and whatnot. But like, you know, when you get in the playoffs, like the playoffs is a whole lot of you can't have two guys that are sieves defensively on the floor in the same time because they'll just do exactly what DeMar DeRozan did last night in the yep. fourth quarter. Like, Are they going to miss zero mid-range shots like DeMar did last night? No. But all of those shots he got were good looks. Yeah. And good teams are going to get good looks every single time down the floor, and I don't care what the Wolves' offense is rated. If, if you can't figure out a way to get stops, you're not going to win because your guys are not going to be making shots every night like it's just not going to happen like even last night for the most most of the game like the wolves were shooting terribly and we're still in the game because they're forcing a ton of turnovers Um, and if you can't convert those turnovers into points or you can't force guys to miss shots and collect rebounds like just not going to win and hopefully you know in this switching concept like they'll be able to rebound a little bit better Mm. you know because hopefully that means that more guys will be towards the rim exactly um but you know who knows i think that's their best path to being a better defensive team than they have been recently while switching is rebounding the ball better because mm-hmm. i think it is a little easier to rebound the ball in a switching concept than it is in a low man concept um just because i think the wolves can buy into this idea of gang rebounding yeah um but
1: who knows you know it, I there, want, there's a lot of questions and again i think that that not to keep kind of harping on this point, but I really do think it's important that Vando needs to get healthy. And like you said, I don't know that if this, I don't know how, how long is the all-star break seven days or something like, uh, they,
0: they play, uh, they play on Wednesday against Toronto. Um, so I'll be there for that game. And then they don't play again until the following, uh, Thursday. so They have seven days off.
1: So I don't know if seven days is enough to, to yeah, heal this midfoot sprain or at least give him a little bit more juice back. But like, He's their best rebounder, probably maybe not defensive rebounder, but you know he's, he's their second best, if not. And I just think that that all that stuff you talked about is just easy. Like, like he's the solid one defensively. You still have enough defenders. Like I said, this defense can work without him. The reason it's not is not just because Vando is hobbled. It's because guys aren't doing the right thing constantly. Um, you know, Cat's been pretty bad the last few games as well. Um, Ant has been in off with the fairies since his knee started hurting defensively i think he's preserving whatever energy he has for for the offense I, for the I, offensive I, end which i is, think
0: malik is malik is getting lost off ball malik's quite, malik quite is good malik has is been.
1: good when he's hitting shots always has been takes that charge as a low man last night because he hit a three before it and you know I think he's better as a low man than he is just like oh, on the ball. And that's as that's a guy the problem. off ball
0: above the break. That's the problem is know? all
1: these guys have some good traits defensively. Like Delo's a good communicator. Malik knows how to play in that in that high ball. He's got, wall. Good Steve got good hands, and like Torian, has, Torian's really good positionally, but they've all got huge flaws. Like Malik can't get through a screen to save his life. D'Lo can't. Although
0: I, I would push back on Malik not being able to get through a screen because. I think if if you broke down, like, all the different skills of all the ways Tim Rollins players have improved this season, like Ant's three-point shooting or Cat's, um, you know, driving or whatever it is, I think Malik Beasley getting through screens this year relative to what it was last year has been a massive improvement. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's still not great, <laughs> yeah. but, like, you can tell that he is really, really trying his ass off
1: Yeah, to, to get better on that. Oh. Jokic just blocked an Ananobi for um, layup to win the game, an open layup. He came from no one, from nowhere to get it. Goddamn. Um, so again, things are just getting harder for the Wolves. Denver, Denver have just won another game, but like back to your point is, I think that like I said, I think Beasley does everything a lot better when he's hitting shots, which is a problem. But they've all yep, got totally. they've all got these big flaws as well as these big strengths defensively and right now the flaws are getting exposed i don't know if that's just more time on the scouting report i don't know whether it's because van you know puts out so many fires pat bev i think pat bev all season has been a defensive playmaker and not like a lockdown point of attack defender i think his legs are a little bit gone against faster guards which there are so many of these days but he can just do special shit defensively like he's just got the best hands for a point guard defender, probably in the lead. Um, and, like, he, he just does, he's, he makes plays defensively. I think Vando makes every single possession count when he's playing well um, and does all the little things that help everyone else. So I think they miss Vando. That's just, that is what I'm getting at. But I also think, in conjunction with that, that everyone has to do their job a bit better. Chris Finch probably needs to scheme a little bit better. Whether that means, you know, taking it back to basics like like Dane spoke about and like Pat Bev spoke about. Um, I'm not sure. But I think that this this isn't I don't think the defense was an illusion. I think the defense is fixable. But it,
0: and I think Kat's activity and the way that he's been, you know, activated in an optimized setting based on his skills and what he does best has been huge. Like he had a he had a few holy shit defensive plays last night. We're just You know, I've been getting all year from him that weren't there in years past, Mm -hmm. and I think it's good to know that Cat is not
1: the problem. Yeah, I think I think Cat That's a bright spot. I think Cat has a lot. Yeah, has a lot more holy shit moments, like you said. But I think in the last few games, he's had also had a lot of like, come on, Cat moments more than we've seen this season. Because this season, I've I've said very little, come on, Cat about his defense. Like, I think I think. Again, it's a shit excuse, but they just—he just looks tired as well. Like there was just a few times where he couldn't get up the floor, or he couldn't, you know, redirect and get back to the role man the way he has been well, all I think season.
0: Sometimes he's late getting up the floor because he's too busy bitching at uh, the refs. Don't even get me started uh, on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just have zero sympathy for. The whole we're tired thing. Not because I don't believe that the guys are
1: tired. Exactly. I'm I'm um, there with you. Is that it, it, it's it's but, worth pointing out that they look tired, but it's not an excuse for losing.
0: Especially because there are so many teams in the league that they're playing right now that have so much more reason to be tired and for it to affect them. Denver, the yet team yet the that Wolves just beat keep letting it affect them more than the
1: other team has. Like the team that just beat the scorching hot raptors in toronto you know in a close game that required you know grit and mental strength and all those buzzwords like that's the stuff that right now the wolves just don't seem to have and 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 they've been good kind of as a team for a month so i don't want to discount the fact that they've had a good 2022 but if we're talking about like the last week or two even in those wins they just haven't really seemed to be you know, all they can be, I guess. Yeah.
0: And, you know, they've got three opportunities to figure it out. Um, and I think tomorrow is by far the easiest one. Um, But, like, you know, if they don't show up, like, I have full confidence that the Pacers can cook them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pacers have scored 113, 112 points their last two games against the Hawks, uh, who have just been terrible defensively, uh, and the Cavs, who obviously are a very good defensive team. So, you know, and then, you know, and before that, they went on a string of scoring over 100 in, like, 10 or 11 straight games. So, like, and not just over 100, like, damn near over, you know, 110, 113 points in most of those games. So, like, you know, uh, they've got to figure it out. The funny thing is, I think if
1: they – if the Pacers score 112, I'd probably be pretty confident that the Wolves will win. It's if the Pacers score yeah, 125, saying, like, that's the problem. And that could very yeah. well happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, they had, what, 47 points in the first quarter <laughs> yeah. yesterday? Yeah. And almost, Tyrese Halliburton. They had, just almost, they had
1: about 40% of their points in one quarter because Cleveland just started to lock shit down towards the end there.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you think about it, like, You know, they've got Buddy Heald, who's been a Wolves killer. I'm not looking
1: forward to watching him in a different uniform.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and you have Halliburton. Like, those two guys were two of the team's, you know, three, four leading scorers and and played really, really well. I mean, combined, between the two of them, they shot 8 of 16 from three, and they shot, I don't know, like... 15 of 32 from the floor or something like that
1: yeah Um, and they already know each other this there's no uh you know kind of new team trying to figure out what to do like at least Halliburton has buddy hill who he's played with for 18 months and yeah and and i mean they're going to play a team that's going to play a
0: 10-man rotation um i mean they have tristan thompson now um and you know tristan thompson's another big body that
1: I feel know. like he's killed the wolves in the past as well, but maybe that's just yeah. Like, I feel like everyone yeah, at I'm, I'm some just point saying, they has don't, have, they the don't have
0: Miles Turner. They traded Karis Levert, um, so really it's going to come down to that perimeter defense. Like if you can slow down Halliburton, and then one of Buddy Hield or Chris Duarte, like they should have no problem winning the game. Tomorrow. Yeah, but you know, it's it's I think it's going to be really tough for them to lock in in a road game for a team whose fans are are probably much more re-engaged mm-hmm. after this trade. Um, it's a weekend game. There's going to be a lot of fans there, I'd take it. Um, so who knows? Like they, If they come out with an, even remotely close to the same energy that they did last weekend against the Pistons,
1: um, they're just going to get absolutely trampled. Like, Forgive me for my horrible knowledge. I know people will probably sigh at this, but is tomorrow Super Bowl Sunday? It is. I wonder just, you know, how that early... Because it's an early game, isn't it? So that people can watch the Super Bowl. It's it.
0: It's it. So, it's at 2 o'clock Minnesota time, and the Super Bowl starts at 5.30. So you'd have plenty of time to get home after that game. Yeah. Before the Super Bowl. Like, who knows? But, um, I mean, Indiana is, you know, one of the most supportive basketball states in the country. Right, um, yep. I mean, in, in, you'd be surprised... Like, there are... High school teams in Indiana that play in like seven thousand seat yeah. venues that sell out every game, and we've
1: seen like, we've seen firsthand what a trade can do to a fan base. Like you look at those games after Delo and, and Malik got traded to the Wolves. Like, oh, that
0: Clippers game was and like crazy. not only
1: the encore product, but like the people there were raucous. Like there was packed crowds, and that's you know on a team that was terrible. Just like the Pacers have been pretty terrible this season. So like. I expect the Pacers to have a lot of energy both on the court and in the building. And the problem is that I feel like Minnesota haven't had energy lately and that seems like we're hurtling towards a disaster.
0: And it's going to be on Cat. Like, Cat, there is no excuse for Cat not to have a crazy good game yeah. in
1: this game. And Ant, like, because Ant, I think, really it's, can, like, suck the life out of a crowd, Anthony. If he goes on one of those 15-point scoring streaks, like he's the kind of guy who can sit a crowd down
0: yeah i mean but he's the guy i'm most worried about honestly because uh his sleep schedule is just like <laughs> very reliant upon getting that nap in in the afternoon yeah he will stay up till like four or five o'clock playing video games doing whatever and it's like not to say that i didn't do that when i was 19
1: 19 what do you, but, mean, like, you
0: still do that now <laughs> no no i no i i don't really last much past like one o'clock yeah i was up till uh, like two last night and uh, that's gonna be tested though i'm going to phoenix phoenix for three days and vegas for a week oh a shit of here oh, so shit. We'll,
1: you might need that we'll, if the wolves uh,
0: keep playing i
1: might die if the wolves keep playing badly you might need vegas to, to reset yourself oh yeah it'll it'll be interesting for
0: sure but yeah i mean i, I think I, there's no reason to press a panic button right now in my opinion like i said at the at the top. But are you hovering? But are you hovering over it a little? I, I think, I think you, there's a cover on it, right? <laughs> you know, there's cover over the big red button. I think you start thinking about uncovering the button if they lose tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. The, the. I mean, if they lose tomorrow, I mean, you're just fighting an uphill battle
1: against the Hornets. Um, and, and against tomorrow's just seems like a really nice buffer game. Like, get this win, give yourself a little, a little wiggle room, you know, get into the break at 500. Even if you lose the next two games, it's not a five game losing streak, you know, like it's just it seems ultra important this game,
0: yeah. I mean, and the nice thing for the Wolves, too, is like when, when they come out of the break, they have two home games, um, like three of their first, like, so I said, those first four opponents. Memphis, Philly, Cleveland, Golden State—they're at home against Memphis, Philadelphia, and Golden State. So, you know they'll have some good momentum here to to build to build on that. And then after that, you're at Oklahoma City versus Portland versus Portland versus Oklahoma City at Orlando.
1: I've never seen so are... a schedule like the ones that we'll, the Wolves have had this season. It is literally oh, just it's just it's like four gauntlet. Easy, yeah gauntlet, like just give easy. us, just give us the fucking paces and then golden state and then orlando and then you know like give give us some games where you can just go I, win one lose one win one lose one i think a lot of it honestly
0: had to do with this season the schedule had to do with covid yeah i think that they were worried that covid was going to linger um and so they have a lot more of these like home and home type type of things um and that's just become a lot more common uh, in recent years to try and reduce the amount of travel that the teams have over the course of the year. But it's happened even more now, um, I think, with COVID. But, um, yeah, all I will say is that once they get past that stretch, they've got one more tough stretch uh, at the end of March. And then there are four games coming home should be somewhat Yeah, easy. You have Houston, Washington, San Antonio, Chicago. You go. I mean, there's going to be opportunities for the Wolves to make a run, in my opinion.
1: Those, it's just going to come three, down to that, if you go three and one in those last four, you might be able to sneak a six seed or at least you know cement a, I, a, a top that, eight seed. The two. opportunity for the Wolves to make a run, like they have an
0: on-ramp kind of with you know that OKC Portland OKC Orlando stretch, like then they're at Miami, San Antonio, and Los Angeles before playing. Milwaukee, Dallas, Phoenix, Dallas, Boston, Toronto. Denver. Holy like, that's shit! That's a hellish. That's a hellish stretch. But you have an on-ramp before that. Yeah. So, like you can build up some, build up some momentum. And the th- and the and thing is well, that, but... that
1: all it takes this this team to try to lock back in. And like I can see them beating Charlotte. I can see them beating Toronto. I can see them. You know, I can see them games being wins as long as they figure something out. You know, as long as they lock back in because we've seen all season they they can. Beat anyone, but they can also lose anyone because there are 500 They're teams. Streaky. There are 500 team and streaky. a 500 team will win and will lose the same amount of times. So it's almost as simple as that. But the nice thing about the
0: Wolves, in my opinion, is that I don't think how well they play is necessarily predicated on how well they shoot. Yeah. In the sense that, like, if they control all the controllables outside of how well you shoot the ball, if you play really hard defensively, if you're unselfish. If you're forcing turnovers, like you're going to be in the game no matter what, yeah. and that's what we saw last night. Yeah. Like even though they got trounced in the fourth quarter, like you're still there and you can hang around long enough to like, you know if a few of those shots start to go
1: down, like the game is very different. Yeah, they had no uh, they had no business being in that game in statistically. Yeah, in the third, they did not. And, but it all it felt like all right, like if Minnesota are the ones that get hot here, they might just win this it turns out that chicago were the ones that got hot and that minnesota kind of crumbled but like that they they have this identity of forcing turnovers that gives you a pretty high floor i think that like if you are a team that just forces a shitload of turnovers um and has two all-star level scorers like you have a pre maybe even three all-star level scorers uh you know you you have a pretty high baseline even if it's not always going to be, you know, you're not going to be a 50-win team, but I think that you have a, you, you can compete pretty much any night as long as that identity doesn't completely, you know, fall apart.
0: And, it, and another way to look at it kind of is like, it doesn't take much for that match to get lit.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, if you, and they've got these role players where it's like, if you get 15 points from Jaden McDaniels, if you get, you know, a, a Vanderbilt night where he gets seven or eight dunks in a dunker spot or as a role man, like you'll win that game if you have Jalen Noel, if you have Jordan McLaughlin gets, you know, eight and eight for a game, like it only takes, uh, like you said, it doesn't take much to, to spark that, that match in terms of like other guys helping you win. And that's, again, I think they have a really high floor and a pretty low ceiling. Like they are just, a team that I think will win as many games as they lose. And you know what? I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest. Like, Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, it's about perspective too. Like you got to think about, you know, if in October I said we'd be here at this point, you'd be like, yes, I'd take that every yeah, single day. Yeah. And I think from here, especially in these next three games, but I think it holds true for the rest of the season too, is that like, I think to this stage, we know what guys play to get, play well together, whether it's two-man, three-man pairings, or, or five-man pairings. And I think it's going to come down to Chris Finch, who, in my opinion, really knows his players well, it's going to come down to whether or not Chris Finch can press the right buttons at the right times and have hard conversations with players that need to be had. Uh, if guys don't bring the juice one night or, you know, if there's some guys that you need to have a shorter hook on than others, like if Nas is really playing poorly, don't be afraid to go to like another lineup that we've seen that works without Nas in it, you know? And then too, it it'll come down to, can you steal a minute or two, in the second or third quarter, so that you can get cat back in at like the ten minute mark of the fourth quarter, as opposed yeah. to like yeah. seven. we didn't even we eight, didn't even you know? talk
1: about that, but that is that's just becoming so apparent that like cat cannot come back. You cannot go a four minute stretch in the fourth quarter without cat on the floor.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily think it's because like other coaches are getting their star players in in that like twelve minute left to
1: nine minute left range. He's just getting cooked mostly by bench guys. He's just Naz is just not playing very well. He's not very he's not that great to begin with and he's playing a lot worse than that. Right. And so that's why I think it's
0: just going to come down to Finch in terms of like can he press the right buttons at the right times and know that like okay this guy's just really not giving me a good chance to win. So I've got to go do something. I've got to go to something else. Yeah, I, like I'd love to see some.
1: I'd love to see some Edwards and Delo minutes in the third to get Cat an extended rest in the th- at the end of the third, and then play Cat for the last twelve.
0: Yeah, I, I, and some people have said, you know, well, why do you play Cat for the whole entire first quarter? Why don't you, you know, take off a minute here or there? And in my opinion, that's not really where it needs to come from. Like, Cat has played the whole first quarter for the better part of, like, the last few seasons. It's something he's comfortable doing. And he dominates, gotta he com-
1: dominates when they bring in the bench big against him. That's why. Correct. Watch. It- and, and it helps him get in a rhythm
0: for the rest of the yeah. game. And I think if you're going to steal – or if you're going to try and find two more minutes or three more minutes for Cat to get on the bench so that, you know – or excuse me, like, yeah, find two to three minutes you can replace with that fourth quarter rest. Um, you know, I I think that it's got to be somewhere in the second and third quarters where like your bench is really rolling. Yeah. Like I think Finch should be more than willing to let a bench unit roll, if that means buying a few extra minutes on the bench for Vando or Ant or Cat or D'Lo or whoever it is, um, especially against teams that you really need to get a win against. Um, and and I think that's going to be an interesting an interesting development to follow for sure
1: yeah and we will follow it we will follow this team we will kind of ride the highs and and ride the lows and right now i think we're in a little bit of a a valley but there will be peaks again uh jack have you got anything coming down the pipeline you know that you've been working on or is it all just kind of day day day-to-day grind at the moment
0: um you know it's 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 a lot of day-to-day stuff um and, and there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on with the links as well and i've been been trying to to make sure that 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 gets you know some of my time as well because because that's important um but um yeah i I don't have anything necessarily coming down the pipe that i know about but um you know i'm I'm sure that we'll get we'll get a few more columns in before before the end of the season and and i'm sure that um there'll be plenty of time for me to to work on stuff during the uh during the all-star break so i'm sure that you'll see you'll see a couple of different things from me um over over this all-star break
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, he is Jr. Borman13 on Twitter. I am Jade Painting. Jake Painting on Twitter as well. Go over to housandgrows.substack.com for all my stuff. You know what the go is, and I will see all of you guys next time. Peace, Jack.
0: Thanks, man.